Undecillion Podcast. I'm Sam. And we're coming to you live from Austin, Texas, Orlando, Florida, Denver, Colorado. And we hope you enjoy our show. So guys, it's been a while since we last met up. Uh, we had a great conversation with David and we also had a good time hanging out the other night on Skype. So I was going to ask y'all, what's new in your neck of the woods and what's on your mind today? Lots of stuff. <laughs> I don't know. How about you, Nick? What's going on over there? I'm, I'm just getting up. and uh, Yeah, <laughs> Yeah. Or for those of you who don't know, uh, we, uh, we all have usually done the podcast late at night at around 7 p.m. Central Time. And uh, now we're doing it in the morning. This is the first time we've actually had a podcast kind of close to about noon uh, Central Standard Time. So... This is much earlier than normal and a uh, different time of day. Even our pets are kind of looking at us weird, but yeah. Give me my coffee. <laughs> oh, coffee. Sweet elixir of the gods. It's our, it's our first um, morning cast, right? Morning yeah, this podcast. is the first one. Cool. Yeah. Um, so, Sam, how about you? What What is what's going on in your world, in your neck of the woods? Well, Austin has been kind of acting like Seattle lately with the weather. It's been literally misty and cold every day for the past week, and they had a 100% chance of precipitation for tomorrow. So it's going to be a very wet time. I know that uh, Toki over here, the dog, he's actually having some uh, issues with uh, not being able to go out as much, so he's like, I have all this energy. I got to burn it off. So he starts running laps on the bed or something or the couch. That's always tough. That's tough for them, isn't it? They can't go out because it's raining. Yeah, he doesn't like the rain either. Like, I try to take him out in the rain or, like, when it's not pouring as much. And he looks at me. He's like, why the hell are we doing this? I want to go back in. So pampered. (laughs) So pampered. Like, imagine if before I was here in your life, you'd probably be out on the streets. (laughs) Exactly. I'm willing to walk in the rain with you so you can go do your Your business. business. Yeah. (laughs) But you're so different, you're not even going to (laughs) walk. You're going to be like, nope, I'll do it right there on the floor. I've started (laughs) uh, putting a a mat out and then the patio. Like, I'll open the patio door and let him out on the patio. They don't make dog umbrellas, like you know, you just or raincoats. Uh, oh, they got raincoats. I've, I've made raincoats before right. out of trash bags, but I think I they sell them actually. This is true. Like a little raincoat. Yeah. Yeah, for the dogs. That might be a good investment. I'll look and into then you it. Just drag him out. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. He's got a raincoat on. It's fine. <laughs> and he'll get used to it, and he'll be like, "Oh yeah, this raincoat's." The tits. You Do know? you remember those uh, <laughs> those ponchos that we used to use back in the day where it was like you put it on and you're like, oh, surely I'm going to be cold and wet, but I'll be dry at least or something. My arms yeah. will be wet. And then you feel like you start sweating <laughs> underneath it because it's keeping all the heat in. It's like one of those H-E-B bags. Yeah. That they sell, <laughs> like, with a hood. You're like, oh, it's the same quality of plastic. Yeah, exactly. It's terrible. <laughs> But yeah, <clears throat> speaking of, I remember that, that one day, you remember Nolte Island? 
Oh yeah, uh, we went camping at this place, Nolte Island, and it was, was it a freezerie where... It was like 22 or 21 degrees, and then it started raining. Yep. It didn't snow, it just rained. And it was like, why is it raining? It shouldn't be snowing, it's so cold. <laughs> and uh, it, it was it was awful. It's, uh, uh, it's in Texas. Yeah, uh, right on. Yeah, it might have I, not been... Well, yeah, it would be. It was under, usually after 30, what, 32, right? Like it'll... Right. You would think it would be freezing. Um, but I just remember it was horribly, miserably cold. And then it, on top of that, right after, right when we were cooking breakfast, it started raining on everybody. And we were like, you know what? Nope. Fuck this. We're packing up. <laughs> like, we just sat in like Wyatt's van with yeah. the heater running, watching a movie. Like, forget about this. Pretty much, like, uh, <laughs> all of our uh, <clears throat> all of our outdoor skills went out the window. <laughs> when it gets nope. too miserable, people just uh, they give up. Uh, speaking of which, uh, do you remember that uh, the last D Day that happened? They took like a bunch of kids out to where they were climbing up the rock and the hill and stuff. And they were trying to see, could any kids today, like, climb that, like, in the same age range as those uh, kids that went back in D-Day? And what they ended up finding out is... I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, they, none of those kids who went there on D-Day, like, modern-day kids, none of them could climb the rock even with all the repelling gear and all this additional shit that they didn't have back then. And uh, it was just—it's kind of I, ridiculous how I guess weak we've gotten over time. Well, I mean, obviously you got to remember that these guys were under fire as well, and so the adrenaline's going to be pumping. You're going to be doing things that are probably do not seem like something you would normally be able to do. Uh, maybe like superhuman exactly but the the point i'm trying to make though is they brought kids from this day and age out there who were in the same age bracket and none of them without the fire and stuff could climb the rock they didn't shoot at them they didn't shoot at them or anything (laughs) no okay so i guess they didn't have the proper motivation to get up one uh missing ingredient i guess like yeah with the children motivated in um in airborne no uh, military training okay but right. you also so, have to think that none of those people were either <laughs> i get your point i get yeah. your point and i i think i remember what cliff you're talking about it was like it, was that a scottish regiment or was that uh i want to say it might have been like a scottish regiment and they had to they literally threw like grapple what do you call the grappling hooks? It's like a grappling hookup. Oh, yeah, way up on the rocks, and they just grabbed, and they started climbing up. They literally pulled themselves up the rocks by ropes. Yeah. And uh, once one of them got up there, I think they uh, they installed, like, some sort of rope ladder, and so that kind of helped the rest of them get up. Yeah. But uh, can you imagine that while you're getting shot at? Insane. It is. It is. <laughs> That's a uh, another one was uh, what's that movie called? Um, Hacksaw Ridge. That Anybody was. saw that. That was a great film. So you got to climb up this, you know, two hundred foot cliff, and then once you get up there, it's basically like a 
like mince meat. Just you're <laughs> you're in the meat grinder. You know, uh, uh, the Japanese were were insane up there. They they would run at you without any care for their own lives. You know, they they were just numbers. They come in like waves and waves and waves, and they the ships are shooting shells, blowing them up, and they're still coming. You know, <laughs> and like there was no way to conquer this ridge because these people uh, at the time they didn't have any real. Uh, meaning for human life, I guess, and they just threw people like the communists, you know, like Soviets. Like, let's just throw a million people at them, see if that beats them. Okay, if not, we got like a 300 million more that we can probably throw at them. Uh, yeah, I don't know how I got into that, <laughs> but uh, it, it happens, man. Uh, I, I would say another thing about these historical topics that you hear you always say history's written by whoever wins but another thing that's also an interesting thing about this i was talking with my cousin found out he got a concussion from wrestling so he was on the sidelines and then i thought he was going into a match so i was telling him about the 300 he had never heard of the 300 what that's uh, they're apparently not teaching kids in school about like ancient history is he in Panama or is he in... No, he's in the U.S. He's in a school in South Carolina. I learned about that in, like, the sixth grade, I think. Yeah. I remember it very distinctly. Apparently they're not uh, covering the topics as much. I think the age gap between us, he's got to be... He's heading into his final year of high school now. So, uh, yeah, it's kind of... Uh, um kind of interesting that they uh they don't cover it at least in the same way that they used to times are Um, changing man (laughs) he's never watched the movie (laughs) uh not yet i need to uh get him a copy i mean the movie's all a bunch of fluff but yeah it's semi-accurate uh to the lore at least uh that's a shame, man. That really is a shame. <laughs> They're probably teaching him, like, well, you can identify as whatever you want. <laughs> like, Who, knows? Who knows? Yeah. Forget about the Civil War and the Revolution and the 300 at Thermopylae and uh, uh, learn about things that don't really matter. Histories written by the victors, and I think that there's always there, there's they, always a are lesson. They, are they winning? I mean, uh, that's uh, that's a good question. If you're if you're not allowed to learn about your history, you know, I mean, I hate to say it, but like you're doomed to repeat the same mistakes from the past like the Civil War and like uh, slavery and things like that, you know, um, should be something that we remember in solidarity. <clears throat> would you think it would be possible to tell the story without having it uh, being told from, like, one perspective of the other, just put out, like, this is the facts from one side, this is the facts from the other, 
this battle took place. Uh, <coughs> this is what the outcome was historically. I think it should be told that way because the Persian side of the story is actually pretty interesting. And their outlook on what they were doing, they thought they were in the right. But obviously the Western Greeks and, you know, the uh, Spartans disagreed. Did you just say Western Greeks? Yeah, that. Uh... <laughs> well, I would say I would say Persians are more like Eastern people, and Greeks are Western people. No, that's I, I disagree with you there. Um, okay, and what the, is it? The Greek. Nick? I mean, that's the thing. There, it's the Greek culture isn't a Western culture. It's just that Western culture has adopted a lot of things from Greek culture, and so you you're you know, you're relating it to it because we have adopted it. You're thinking it's a Western-based culture, but it's not. Well, geographically, I would say it's more Western. The, the question is, I guess, the globe is uh, not necessarily spherical, but it's got a few dents here and there. But uh, as it turns, where do, you, where do you draw the line and say, this is east and this is west? It's like... You can't really since I mean, it turns. Okay. So, all right, Nick. Great point. Um, that's an interesting point. But moving on, I think that the Persians had their their reasons for doing what they did, and some might say that they were um, in the right, and the Greeks and the Spartans disagreed, and they fought to the death to defend their their land. You know. They, uh, Persians thought they were liberating, really, is what they were told. But the problem with them was that most of their soldiers were mercenaries, <clears throat> except for, you know, their core base of people. And everybody on the Greek and Spartan side <laughs> were there defending their homeland. So it's like the same thing happened at the Alamo with uh, Santa Ana. You know, he had a lot of mercenaries, and these people, granted, they probably didn't grow up there, but they felt like they were fighting for their homeland, or whatever they called their homeland. So, <clears throat> the defenders against the attackers, as long as you have the moral high ground, I feel like you have an edge on your enemy. At least you you have the insight and the frame of mind to go forward without any doubts when you do have a moral high ground in your ex opinion, I would say. Yeah, like Lincoln and Concord, um, or whatever, um, you know, don't, you know, we won't fire the first shot, right? Yeah. And then there was the shot heard around the world. Yeah. And so uh, I didn't hear it. <laughs> we weren't around yeah, at the time, but yeah. <laughs> okay. It wasn't loud enough. Well, it did change the world, so you're hearing it now. Uh, no, I'm not. I still haven't heard it. I think the motorhead uh, must have gotten to the ears. You live in the United States, so <laughs> that's uh, that's what happened out of that, is what I'm saying. I know. What's also kind of strange or interesting about the conversation, uh, the poster that Nick has behind him, the Geiger poster, the Geiger, mm -hmm. and uh, I had a friend who had 
posted something like he's like this is one of my favorite pieces of artwork and then people were just literally uh people that my other friend online knew were just starting to say hey this is that blah 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 you shouldn't think this way you shouldn't think that way and then i was like uh you bring up the what's portrayed in the picture and you start talking about, I guess, the lore behind the character and the deity that's portrayed in the picture. And what was funny is there were excerpts when I was reading the history about it talking about the Templar Knights were apparently associated with it. And uh, there was a, a bunch of them after the Inquisition and all that started getting killed <laughs> because uh, they thought that they were worshipping that instead of God. And then that turned into another thing. So it's crazy how... Baphomet? Yeah. Simple... Yeah, simple things that... Like, they were told... If you see people that exhibit these signs, hunt them down. And... Uh, or show that they worship this, hunt them down. And then later on, because they had that... They had to be taught about that in order to know what they were looking for in their crusade. Uh, they started getting hunted down because they had... Uh, icons are new of it and uh which is interesting it's just like you you send someone to be the messenger to bring whatever the word is to all the people and then you start massacring them because they you're trying to eliminate i guess ties and they talk about i guess uh if you say things that go against the church the church goes after you in those times and mm -hmm. uh if you have any sort of a differing opinion or any sort of thing that goes against the societal norm, it was a very not safe time to go out and do things. You'd get massacred, killed, burnt at the stake, all that type of stuff. And you kind of see some of the, uh, we haven't gone too far from that minus we don't burn people anymore or lock them in bell towers, but you can kind of see how that's kind of impacted the way that, culture is i don't know if you guys have noticed that with certain things mm, yeah i mean there is a well th that um symbol and it's very uh misunderstood as to what it actually is uh and, and everybody has like a different I, I think a different viewpoint on what it is um and uh yeah i mean it goes it predates all that as well it's been there from it's a yeah it's an old very old uh symbol um but but yeah i guess they didn't like it uh and the uh i guess the knights templar uh they in rebellion didn't they do it like in rebelling against the church like they were like you know what this is our um symbol and uh we're gonna you know i guess i mean i'm not too educated in that uh section of their uh of what this symbol actually is but um that's what i used to think i don't know if it's true or not but uh, there there's still debates an excuse there are debates among scholars as to the significance but there was some sort of association with the knights templar and that particular symbol and how essentially I mean, what's not to like it's a transgender goat being with 
Well, it's it's a little bit deeper than that. It's a it's very symbolic, uh, and you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think the reason why uh, the Templars were taken out was because they had created too much wealth, uh, or they they had accumulated too much wealth, and they were becoming a threat to not only the Vatican but um, the. the royal families and stuff in Europe. And uh, and yes, they did hold knowledge that probably nobody else knew. And they, you know, were masons. I, I feel the, the actual truth about it has been blown. Like, nobody's ever going to, because there's so many, like, different stories and different, uh, you know, views, like, coming in at it. So, like, there's so many, and it's like, I think the actual reason behind it is not still un- it's still unknown uh, I probably. doubt I've done a lot of research into them and I doubt that they were like Satan yeah that's the and stuff there I don't think they were devil worshippers they were definitely warriors of Christ and uh, I think they get a bad rap and same with the Masons man I think the Masons get a bad rap too what would my be- grandfather was a Mason yeah, and uh, the Masons do a lot of good work. Yeah. They definitely do a lot of good work with charities yeah, and my helping. A Mason. Nice. Very cool. Uh, so well, I think people are going to demonize things they don't understand, just like that Baphomet image behind you, Nick. Um, it just, it, you know, the, I think the power is not um, giving into that crap or or being able to be manipulated by that kind of stuff and or even responding to it because especially nowadays every everything's click bait culture social media and stuff and i i don't know about you guys but it takes i know nick you're not on social media but sam it takes a lot for me not to start getting engaged with people that i'm just like are you out of your friggin mind (laughs) it gets that way sometimes but uh what i think the interesting point of view to take on some of this which makes it easier to relate to people even if they don't believe the same things we do in uh Mm -hmm. certain capacities is uh think of it like this is that person is me with a different set of life circumstances that led them to their opinion so if I were in their shoes and going through everything that they went through, would I come to the same conclusion? And if that person was me and I have to respect myself, I would respect other people as well because they're kind of a part of this cultural mold of humanity. It's kind of a weird view, but yeah. I get you. I mean, we all have two eyeballs that, and we have a brain that yeah. absorbs everything in our surroundings. And so I don't know what that person's eyes have seen and what their exactly. ears have heard. But um, I don't know. Some things seem like truths. Like, it's true, it's true, it's true. There's no way it could be false. Yeah. Like, actual facts. And, uh, uh, you know, some people don't see it that way. I mean, um I think I went through a period where I was a lot more vocal and I would think say we all things do. that I probably wouldn't say nowadays, you know? 
uh, unless I was going off on a rant or something. Or low and, on uh, sleep. <laughs> yeah, that's what I, I kind of like uh, how we do our thing here because it's it's more of a a laid out conversation rather than talking points or anything like that. So I prefer um, the free flow myself. Even, right. So on social media, this is where I was getting at. Sorry. Yeah, you're <laughs> good. Off. Go for it. Um, <clears throat> through the uh, you know typing on a on a screen, you don't really get the same reaction you would talking to somebody face to face. Because you can't see them uh, emote, you can't them. see any of that, and that's where text messaging kind of angers me in a sense. Because I could say well, something. Talking on the phone. Yeah. <clears throat> you you lose a dimension of them. of humanity when you interact that way. Right. And that's I why there's still a connection though. Like uh, even if you're typing, uh, there is a small. It's a small. It's not as like prominent as like if you were speaking with someone or that person but i do feel there is because you somehow the words that are put on there there's somewhat of a meaning that shoot like or an understanding that comes to you and you're like that's crap or that's a good point or that's stupid or why are you even typing this you know uh, <laughs> lost in translation is a great way to put it i think a lot of stuff gets lost in translation through I mean, and I'm not yeah. speaking like I'm coming up with a new idea here. I mean, we all know this. Uh, typing something and actually saying it like we are now is going to be completely different, uh, unless yeah. you're, unless you're, um, you know, some sort of like really talented writer that can write a novel or something. You know? yeah, like, that's you know, an like, accomplishment. Uh, you know, they can type and. I think it would it would depend on the person reading it, right? Like how far they're it's on how they feel, how yeah. Exactly. Is. And this this is another discussion how that how serious they take themselves. Yeah, th this was another yeah. discussion that we had where uh, I had said a sentence to figure out how people would react to it. I didn't tell them I was doing an experiment. And then uh, I saw the reaction, and then I was trying to explain. So if I use different words, I can get different effects out of what I'm saying and uh, try to avoid using words that have multiple meanings because it may create a lot of ambiguity and confusion. So if there were a way to talk, I guess, in a way to make sure the point you intend to get across gets across... What are the words and what is the patterning that you have to do to get that out? Because sometimes uh, people, depending what languages they spoke or what their experience with languages, they get different meanings from different words. And they may not get implied context to certain things because maybe they don't talk that way or use that. Not all languages are the same, and that's kind of where I would say the languages you speak also kind of provide a color filter to how you interpret the world and how you view emotion and things. So I would say have knowing more seen, languages is a benefit. Have you ever seen, like, subtitles on some, like, foreign language TV or something? <laughs> yeah, it can get really bad. It doesn't even make sense in English. You're like, what the fuck are these people talking about? Like... I mean, it makes certain kind of sense, but like that, it just the way people 
emote and the way people uh, portray like certain, um, you know, uh, they want to get something done or they want you to hear a, a certain thing or in uh, the way that they portray themselves is different in any, any language. It's, it's, I think English is probably one of the best at, at adapting to a bunch of different styles, but well, you also a bunch you, of different styles of adopted to English. Well, th this is this is well, true. You have to remember the mongrel language. Well, you you have to remember English was the language. Uh, the joke is uh, English is the language that basically goes through every other language. It beats them right. up, rifles right. through their pockets, and then takes it and adds it to <laughs> its own. It. Yeah. <laughs> So the reason why English is able to adapt is because it has gone in and it's taken these things and adopted. It's like, I don't have a way of expressing this, but this is a neat concept. Why don't I just pull that in and assimilate it? Well, I think that's the great thing about not only English, but Western culture in general. Sorry, Nick, I didn't mean to cut you off there. Oh, no, that's cool. Um... Yeah, it's just an evolution of the current way to communicate throughout the world in a way that the whole world communicates now. As long as you can get a message across um, using some kind of language, you should be okay. Yeah. But it is, I think, majority of the world now is basically English-based. Like, you know, although they do have their languages, um, but it's still like, if you know English, you can still get around. Like, you can... You can still go to China or uh, Japan or, or Asia, you know, somewhere. It's become and, the language uh, of commerce, essentially. Yeah, they're like, hey, where's this? And uh, yeah, yeah USD. Over. Thank you. Where's McDonald's? Oh, it's over there. <laughs> <laughs> we yeah, all live McDonald's. in America. Oh yeah, oh, I know McDonald's right over here. <laughs> I'm familiar with that. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's sad. That's hilarious, though. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with everything you guys are saying. I The reason why it's so successful, though, is because, it, like you said, Sam, it adopts the best things out of everything. Like, it lets you in to the house, you know, uh, metaphorically, and you get to stay, and it, it kind of rifles through everything that you have, and then you leave, and it takes everything <laughs> that was good, and it's good called mongrel um it's a mongrel language and um the caucasian anglo-saxon gene is a mongrel gene because we've mixed with uh neanderthals we mixed with every race on the planet pretty much at this point to this day and age they do a genetic test on either either of us, any of us, there's going to be tons of strains of uh, genes. Uh, you look at a population like China, <clears throat> I forget the word for it, but they are very much in-house. They don't like, they don't like immigration. They don't go outside of China a lot, except for maybe the richer people or the tourists. And they don't really breed with other races of people. I mean, we're all human race, you know. I believe there's only one race, human race. But different 
regions, I guess. They don't really... Even Mongolians, they don't... <laughs> well, his... They don't normally make, you know, families or marry Mongolian men or women if they're Chinese. Historically they're speaking, bad. though, when the... It's bad. When the populations were set up out there and living and everything, you had different warring tribes... And essentially what ended up happening is uh, you would have a group of people try to invade a different group of people. And uh, the group that was being invaded, what would end up happening is whoever took over, they didn't care. And they would end up assimilating them because there was so much more of the original population than the other. Right, right, right. The Mongols were... They, they basically got assimilated into the culture. So that's kind of the way that that's been going. And uh, we always talk about different forms of government and things. And the big thing that they were always talking about with communism, so to speak, was it constantly needed to expand in order to be stable. So whenever you stopped right. it from expanding, it literally would collapse on itself. It needed new suckers to bring it. <laughs> We've got to suck everything out of you. <laughs> and not the good suck, the bad suck. Like, suck your wallet. <laughs> you know, not the other thing. Um, <laughs> and probably your life and your children's lives and everybody else, you know. Uh, well, I was kind of getting at something. I don't know. Did you have something to say there, Nick? What? Did you have anything to say about no. that? Uh, uh, yeah, no, I, I don't uh, really want to um, say anything. <laughs> okay. No worries. I was, okay. Sorry, I was reading something. <laughs> uh, well, I was just nice. listening to what you were saying, and uh, and I was uh, like looking at something. something. So, <laughs> sorry. Uh, I think uh, from what I hear from, I think it was Indian scientists that did the, um, the genome I don't know what you, I'm not a scientist, all right, or a medical person, but they mapped the genomes of the, this corona, this recent coronavirus, I forgot what it's called, it's like something 19 or something, there's many coronaviruses, but this one's called like novelty 19 or something like that, I, I don't know the actual scientific term, but uh, these uh, scientists in India said that the delivery system is almost identical to HIV and it is SARS-like and it's genetic makeup. So all of the uh, viruses, it's a delivery, you know, it, it is something that wants to get into your body, right? It's almost like a, it, is having intercourse with your immune system. And every virus has a delivery system. It'd be like their proboscis, you know, or their, their little, yeah, their little dingling. And uh, it's identical to HIV. And these people are from India, top scientists in there. Uh, and they have a reason not to trust the WHO because they've had medical issues 
from the World Health Organization in India, documented, you can look it up, I don't have to explain it at the moment, but what I was getting at is this, how China is basically hermetically sealed in a way, not like the West, the West is very, we allow all cultures, immigrants and stuff like that to come in, come out and our immune systems are different than these people in China. This thing looks like it's geared towards young 30s, mid 30s, uh, young uh, early 30s uh, Chinese men. And that's who is mostly getting affected by this. So from what I hear, we don't really have anything to worry about except for economically, this might cause big problems since we basically suck off China's teat for everything. Well, you also have to remember that we actually do have, uh, there are cases that are showing up in other countries. Uh, I know that Japan Mm -hmm. started cutting, even here in Texas. I mean, there Mm -hmm. is a group of people that were brought in and they've been isolated who are essentially carrying this. And they're at Lackland Air Force Base. So... It's, and what is that, like one case in Texas? Well, I mean, these are people that were from infected areas and they were brought here. Right, right. Of course, you're in the infected area. Yeah. Uh, I would say probably the West Coast is pretty vulnerable. And even Orlando, where I'm at. Anywhere a cruise ship goes, they had to they had to literally isolate a bunch of cruise ships because uh, certain passengers had it. Is what they found. I heard that. Yeah. Can you imagine paying for a freaking cruise ship? I'm now being held hostage on the ship. Quarantined. Happy vacation. (laughs) At least I got all the shrimp I could eat. Yeah, dump eighteen hundred dollars a person down the toilet right there that's horrible so i'm looking at the cdc website where they're talking about this so it says uh on february 11th 2020 the world health organization announced an official name for the disease that is causing the 2019 novel coronavirus outbreak uh covid19 cdc will be updating our website and other materials to reflect the updated name So they're talking about now prevention. Uh, There is currently no vaccine to prevent 2019 NCOV infection. The best way to prevent infection is to avoid being exposed to the virus. However, as a reminder, CDC always recommends everyday preventative actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory viruses, including avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth with unwashed hands. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze with a tissue, then throw the tissue in the trash. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects and surfaces using a regular household cleaning spray or wipe. Follow the CDC's recommendations for using a face mask. The CDC does not recommend that people who are well wear face masks to protect themselves from respiratory viruses, including 2019 NCOV. 
Face masks should be used by people who show symptoms of the 2019 novel coronavirus in order to protect others from the risk of getting infected. The use of face masks is also crucial for health workers and people who are taking care of someone in close settings at home or in a healthcare facility. Wash your hands often with soap and water for at least 20 seconds, especially after going to the bathroom before eating and blowing your nose, coughing, or sneezing. If soap and water are not readily available, use alcohol-based hand sanitizer with at least 60% alcohol. Always wash hands with soap and water if hands are visibly dirty. So that's from the CDC (laughs) website. And it sounds like sanitation uh, nowhere, is... Nowhere in there. That was all well and great, but nowhere in there. Take vitamin C. You, you know, make sure, you know, you're taking care of yourself, eating diet, exercise, getting enough sun. It, it also doesn't sun. mention how the food is harvested uh, or specifically how the uh, how this came to be. No one's talking about that. And I'm sure that it's going to be related to sanitation and the situations that emerged where multiple viruses or bacteriums all got caught together and then created something bigger than themselves. Like, no talk about colloidal silver or... I don't know, man. It's just the generic... You know know they're going to come out with a vaccine pretty soon. Who knows, but they, they're going to have to test it, and uh, I'm not ready to be a guinea pig as of yet. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not getting shot up with that. <laughs> and my I'm not an anti-vaxxer <laughs> either. I, I do take vaccines for no. things, but this one is, uh, this is a new boat. I wouldn't classify myself as a straight-up anti-vaxxer, but I do have a lot I'm of I'm not questions. an anti-vaxxer, and I... I don't believe that that way of life is conducive to helping people get antibodies. Right. <laughs> but this one in particular, it's in such a beta form. Uh, if they, I guess the mindset is if uh, they can't even get a hold of the proper flu virus, what makes me think they're going to get a vaccine that's correct <laughs> enough to do this? Exactly. And everything is pointing towards synthetic, man-made bioweapon you know these are buzzwords that i'm hearing even even on mainstream news they're asking these questions and so this is stuff that i've been hearing for a month now but you know we'll see what happens i i really don't know they have these uh bioweapons labs there's four in wuhan china and they're saying they had a coronavirus. They actually did. I think this is on record. They had a coronavirus at one of these bioweapons labs. They're called uh, something like BL4 or something. And we have tons of them in the United States. Um, if I was voting to say, you know, what I want, I would say shut all those motherfuckers down. I'm not for that. Like, I'm not for bioweapons, race-specific weapons, stuff like that. It's I think it's disgusting, and I thought that was illegal ever since World War One, but apparently it's not. 
under the Geneva Con Convention, you know? So I don't know how they get a away with that kind of stuff, but it's still going on, and from boots on the ground that I've heard in China, and people that know people in China, I mean, this is all, I don't know these people personally, it's just uh, avenues that I've listened to. Uh, they're saying this is probably some sort of man-made epidemic, pandemic. I mean, you can disagree with me. I'm just, I'm just throwing that out there. It could possibly it's, be, it's but pretty fucking fishy. The the big issue that I would say we need to figure out is literally like, how do you, I guess, stop it? Doing the basic stuff will prevent it to a certain degree, but uh, <clears throat> figuring out how to isolate it and. First off, a Steady face mask it. is not going to help you because this thing can transfer through the eyes and through the nose. So <clears throat> really it's the eyes that the CDC is saying a face mask is not going to protect you. It's because it's transmuted through the mucus in your eyes. So there really isn't a way to stop it other than being... Uh, I'd say take all your vaccines. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I would say take fucking vitamins, man. Be be healthy. The healthy people are going to survive if they get this thing. And also, uh, I, a very interesting thing I heard is peroxide. So if you're really worried and you're in an area where there are outbreaks happening, which that is happening, and on the West Coast, I've listen to a lady she lived on a on a um a, a army base and they had quarantined people there and she was freaking out because she's got like four kids and she's like what are we doing you know she's going crazy i would imagine um peroxide hydrogen peroxide it burns like a bitch but put that up into your note like dip it into a, a dip a cotton swab in there and shove it up into your nose and roll it around and yeah it does burn but it's literally will kill any virus and since this is transmitted through the nasal cavity and through the eyes i mean i wouldn't say put hydrogen peroxide in your eyes because that would burn like a bitch but <laughs> at least that's one way you can help uh, especially there's a lot of blood vessels in the nasal cavity that uh, would you know, be a good way for that virus to get into your body. Keep in mind, we are not doctors, so research True. the stuff before you do any of the steps if you decide to go forward and go that route. <laughs> Disclaimer. What do, you, what do you find in there, Sam? I'm looking here now. I'm just looking on the coronavirus from other sources uh, to learn more about it. So... A coronavirus is one of a number of viruses that causes diseases in mammals and birds. In humans, the viruses cause respiratory infections, including the common cold, which are typically mild, though rarer forms such as SARS, MERS, and 2019 NCOV can be lethal. Symptoms vary in other species. In chickens, they cause upper respiratory diseases, while in cows and pigs, coronaviruses cause di diarrhea. 
There are no vaccines or antiviral drugs to prevent or treat human corona infections. Then it goes on. Quick facts. Let's see. Coronaviruses are in the subfamily of Orthocoronavirinae. In the family of Coronaviridae, it's in the order of Nidoviralis. They are enveloped viruses with a positive sense single-stranded RNA genome and a nucleocapsid of helical symmetry. The genome of coronaviruses ranges from approximately 26 to 32 kilobases, the largest for an RNA virus. The name coronavirus is derived from the Latin corona, meaning crown or halo, which refers to the characteristic appearances of the virus particles or virions. They have a fringe, a fringe uh, reminiscent of a crown or of a solar corona. So then it also mentions that coronaviruses were discovered in the 60s. The earliest ones discovered were infectious bronchitis virus in chickens and two virus forms, uh, two viruses from the nasal cavities of human patients with the common cold that were subsequently named human coronavirus 229E and human coronavirus OC43. Other members of the family have since been identified, including SARS-CoV in 2003, <clears throat> HCOVNL63 in 2004, HKU1 in 2005, MERS coronavirus in 2012, mm. and 2019NCOV in 2019. Most of these have been involved in serious respiratory tract infections. Mm. So, uh, Nick, I remember you were saying. Uh, I, this was like a while ago you were like you had mentioned that you think one of the biggest dangers or or one of your biggest concerns is the medical establishment mm. and how we deify these people as basically like gods you know and believe everything they say I mean am I am I right I mean I I'm pretty sure you said I'd that. say take it yeah, with a grain of salt. They may know more. But... That, uh, briefly. And, um, yeah, majority of it is a, they just create more problems. And uh, they keep you, it's like a man, uh, they just want to manage. Uh, so you have to keep buying the drugs and you keep buying the medicines. You keep buying the mm -hmm. therapies. Right. You just keep buying. And, uh, you know, and you help them uh, live. <laughs> And, uh, it's like the Hegelian dialectic of medicine, like problem, reaction, solution. They like, literally don't ever get to the solution. solution. You have a reaction, we create the solution. But yeah, there's no solution, really. Um, it's It reminds me of the Aztecs when these people were like, yes, you have to um, bring your children to me and i'll sacrifice them and then the eclipse will go away and the sun will come back and we'll have a good harvest <laughs> almost i mean that's a little ridiculous but it kind of like they really don't know how to fix this yes they can describe viruses and they have their microscopes and the, it looks like a corona of, of a star and 
all these you know scientific things they can say but um it's like almost like they're proud of it they're like look at it yes yes it's our little baby <laughs> mm. it's like well a, if like you know more something like well that's yeah. that's kind of the you have to sort of have a curiosity mm. about the thing that you're studying to be know, interested just, enough just, to um, come up with a solution but it's big dorks yeah yeah yeah, no, I mean, everything you said there was um, uh, informative. Yeah. And that's not... We're, we're just speculating here, so don't... Yeah, I know. The general public, please don't take anything we say. <laughs> we are not medical doctors or government of officials, or I, sh I should say public servants, but um, what were you, you, you look like you're going to say something there, Sam. Oh, uh, they're going over the history in this article of the coronavirus, and they're talking about the evolution of it. So it says the most recent common ancestor of the coronavirus has been placed at 8,000 8, BCE. That may be considerably wow. older than this. Another estimate places the most recent common ancestor, MC, MRCA, of all coronaviruses around 8100 BCE. The MRCA of alpha coronavirus, beta coronavirus, gamma coronavirus, and delta coronavirus have been placed at 2400 BCE, 3300 BCE, 2800 BCE, and 3000 BCE, respectively. It appears that bats and birds, the warm-blooded flying vertebrates, are ideal hosts of the coronavirus gene. I don't Sor buy it. And then it says source with bats of alpha coronavirus, beta coronavirus, and birds from gamma coronavirus and delta coronavirus to fuel coronavirus evolution and dissemination. Bovine coronavirus and canine respiratory coronavirus diverged from a common ancestor in 1951. Bovine coronavirus and human coronavirus OC43 diverged in 1899. Bovine coronavirus diverged from the equine, so it sounds like a horse, coronavirus species at the end of 18th century. Another estimate suggests that the human coronavirus OC43 diverged from bovine coronavirus in 1890, so from a cow. The MRCA of human coronavirus OC43 has been dated to the 1950s. MERS-CoV, although related to several bat species, appears to have diverged from these several centuries ago. The human coronavirus NL63 and the bat coronavirus share an MRCA 563 822 uh, years ago is what it's saying. Uh, so 822 years ago is about the time when it diverged from the original strain. The more closely related bat coronavirus and SARS-CoV diverged in 1986. A path of evolution of SARS virus and keen relationship with bats has been proposed. The author suggests that the coronavirus has been co-evolved with bats for a long time and the ancestors of SARS-CoV first infected the species of the genus. Uh, Hipposidur... These things are always hard to say. 
Hipposideridae. Subsequently spread to species of uh, Rhinolophidae and uh, civets, and finally humans. Alpaca coronavirus and human coronavirus 229E diverged before the 1960s. <laughs> now it's going into the human coronavirus. From what I hear, this is not avian. Well, it's... Is, it's I, I mean, it shares... Shares common commonality with SARS, but it's not an avian. Yeah, everything it, in the genome is showing that this is specifically different than SARS or MRSA or MERS. Um, so let me let me just read this here for you. This was posted uh, February sixth, twenty twenty, last year. And granted, none of this is our opinion. We're just reading stuff here. Last year, a mysterious shipment was caught was caught smuggling coronavirus from Canada. It was traced to a Chinese agent working at a Canadian lab. Subsequent investigation by Great Game India linked the agents to Chinese biological warfare program from where the virus is suspected to have leaked, causing the Wuhan corona outbreak. Um, On June 13, 2012, a 60-year-old Saudi man was admitted to a private hospital in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia, with a seven-day history of fever, cough, expectoration, like he's coughing up mucus, and shortness of breath. He had no history of cardiopulmonary or renal disease, was receiving no long-term medications, and did not smoke. Egyptian virologist Dr. Ali Mohammed Zaki isolated and identified a previously unknown coronavirus from his lungs. After routine diagnostics failed to identify the causative agent, Zaki contacted Ron Fulcher, a leading virologist at the Aramus Medical Center EMC in Rotting, Rotterdam, Rotterdam sorry, in the Netherlands for advice. And so they show some pictures of what it does to your lungs. Fulcher sequenced the virus from a sample sent by Zaki. Fulcher used a broad-spectrum pan-corona real-time polymersa chain reaction RT-PCR method to test for distinguishing features of a number of known coronavirus viruses. Sorry, uh, known to infect humans. And yeah, they show a picture of it. It does look like a corona. This coronavirus sample was acquired by scientific doc, uh, director Dr. Frank Plumer, key to coronavirus investigation um, of Canada's National Microbiological Laboratory in Winnipeg, directly from Fulcher, who received it from Zaki. This virus was reportedly stolen from the Canadian lab by Chinese agents. I have no idea if that it's true, but Frank Plumer was 
recently uh, killed in Africa, just to let you know that. He was, they say he was assassinated. So this goes on and on. I can, I mean, it, I can keep going. I mean, this is very interesting. Oh, let's skip to now. In March 2019, in, in a mysterious event, a shipment of exceptionally virulent viruses from Canada's NM, sorry, NML ended up in China. The event caused a major scandal with biowarfare experts questioning why Canada was sending lethal viruses to China. Scientists from the NML said the highly lethal virus uh, viruses were potentially uh, bioweapons. Following the investigation, the incident was traced to Chinese agents working at the NML. Four months later, in July of 2019, a group of Chinese virologists were forcibly dispatched from the Canadian National Microbiology Laboratory, almost easier to say than NML. Uh, in Canada, the only level four facility. So these are these L4 uh, facilities, these bio biomedical level four facilities that create bioweapons. And only one, and one only of only a few in North America equipped to handle the world's most deadliest disease. And why, I, I said most and deadliest, sorry. Including uh, Ebola, SARS, coronavirus, etc. And it goes on from there. Uh, one of the more interesting things here. Uh, I had it in my head, and I just totally forgot. So, with the... There was... Oh, the doctor the doctor that leaked this got the virus, right? He died. He died. You you saw that video, and you heard the audio? Of I him. didn't see the video or the audio, but the guy was trying to talk with other doctors about it and got squelched by the Chinese government. Yes. So, he was arrested and detained because he was trying to warn people about this virus. I mean, it is what it is. I know it's China and they're communist and they're like, you know, very 1984 and like big brother and like totally that, that comes with the territory of being a communist government in a world that has other government styles. But I think the bigger picture of this is we also have to keep in mind that uh, reading the rest of this article, it's talking about human coronaviruses, uh, and basically, there's a lot of stuff like the common cold, uh, sore throats, different things like this. Mm -hmm. They're also coronaviruses, too, to a degree. Right. It's in the same family, yeah. But this is the 2019, um, whatever it's called, novel 2019. But it also, what's interesting about this, it talks about, so... Uh, Fevers and sore throats from swollen adenoids, primarily in the winter and early spring seasons. Coronaviruses can cause pneumonia, either direct viral pneumonia or a secondary bacterial pneumonia. They can also cause bronchitis, either direct viral bronchitis or a secondary bacterial bronchitis. As much as publicized human coronavirus discovered in 2003, SARS-CoV, which causes severe acute respiratory syndrome, or SARS, has a unique uh, patho 
pathogenesis, it is uh, it causes both upper and lower respiratory tract infections. There are no vaccines or antiviral drugs to prevent or treat human coronavirus at this time. Then they break it down. There's seven strains of it. And then uh, this article is going into that Middle East Respiratory Syndrome, which you spoke about in 2012. Mm-hmm. And it talks about how uh, the World Health Organization issued a global alert soon after they found out about MERS-CoV. Uh, who updated on uh, 28 September 2012 stated that the virus did not seem to pass easily from person to person. However, on 12 May 2013, a human-to-human transmission case in France was confirmed. Uh, French... 2018? This is 2013. And it says, uh, the French Ministry of Social Affairs and Public Health confirmed this. In addition, cases of human-to-human transmission were reported to the Ministry of Health in Tunisia. Two confirmed cases involve people who seem to have caught the disease from their late father who became ill after a visit to Qatar and uh, Saudi Arabia, or Qatar, however we're saying it these days. Despite this... uh, It appears that the virus has trouble spreading from human to human, as most individuals who are infected do not transmit the virus. By 30 October 2013, there were 124 cases and 52 deaths in Saudi Arabia. And then it goes into the Erasmus Medical Center part you were talking about in 2014. And then after that, it's talking in 2015, there was an outbreak of MERS-CoV, which occurred in the Republic of Korea, where a man had traveled to the Middle East, visited four hospitals in Seoul area to treat his illness. This caused one of the largest outbreak of MERS-CoV outside the Middle East. As of 2019, 2,468 cases of MERS-CoV infection have been confirmed by laboratory tests, 851 of which were fatal, a mortality rate of approximately 34.5%. Then it talks about, now it's jumping to 2019, December. A pneumonia outbreak was reported in Wuhan, China on 31 December 2019. The outbreak was traced to a novel strain of coronavirus, which had been given an interim name of 2019 NCOV. Welcome back, Nick. Uh, Some researchers have suggested that the Hunan seafood market may not be the original source of the viral transmission. It's It's been frozen for a while. It's okay. It's just video. You can like turn turn it off and turn it back on. It'll reset if if you want. I mean, I can hear everybody. Hearing's more important in this case. Uh, I would say. uh, uh, What is? yeah. There you go. You're back. Where's Sam? He turned his video off. But uh, so, um, Sam, I wanted to turn uh, back on. Also, also say that. Um, Sam, turn your video back on. Why is it? Don't like... worry about the video, man. It'll come on when it comes on. Dude, just turn it. It's not you. You're not forcing the stream to like. It's a, you have a different connection. It's not going to affect Jason's connection. Welcome back to the Undecillion. Yeah. Oh no, we yeah, lost so. him. So um, that was interesting what you were saying there, uh, Sam. And 
you can keep going. I just wanted to add, like, I'm not, I'm not saying <clears throat> people need to, you know, buy like underground bunkers and storable foods and stuff like that. I mean, storable food, that's always a good thing to have, filter your water, all that kind of stuff. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't, I, there's a lot of people out there that are blowing this out of proportion, I think. Yeah, and, and from I'm, what we're reading so I don't think we're trying to scare anybody. I'm just trying to put out the history it's of something it. Something you should know. History of it and what you should know about it. And the big things to take away from I guess most of this, it sounds like anything that's related to a respiratory illness might be related to this in some capacity. There's a potential well, it could coronal, be. Coronal viruses, yeah. Um, in general, right? Like yeah. you said, strep throat and all that kind of stuff. And uh, uh, it's... 14 days it can stay alive, apparently, outside of the body. That is really what is kind of scary, to be honest. It is, yeah. Yeah, somebody coughs on something and you touch it, and then you and that's why you got to be you got to be washing your hands. You got to be the the. There's issues to some of this also. Like if you use uh, if you use all the different like gels and things with alcohol to clean your hands and stuff, it, it is good mm -hmm. to do that. It kills most bacteria. However, you're also almost creating a depleting your immune system. You are, and you're, you're also making a supercharged version of those bacteria also. Right, you're... because, yeah, the bacteria will um, adapt to the, um, the antiseptic, right? That's Eventually it'll get used so to dangerous. it. Eventually it will. Exactly. It's like a, a giant Petri dish. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, hospitals are so sanitized all the time. You know, it's like a giant sanitizer. You know, like they just yep. wipe everything down. That uh, they create these uh, super bugs that are antibiotic resistant, and uh, that's why I say silver, colloidal silver, is pretty much the only thing that uh, and hospitals are even using this now. I had a coworker who used it recently. He was complaining about an earache, and he eventually. Uh, had to he had to do like a ear irrigation, but there was some colloidal silver involved, which actually helped him out. And I hear it's good for other things. So you're holding up a bottle of what's called silver bullet, and it's a colloidal silver. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just happen to have this on the desk. I really didn't plan that. But... That's pretty funny, but uh, I guess it's, working where you work gives I... you access to knowing what these things are. I. It's something that I own because I Use you can it. ingest it, you can put it in your ear, like you said, put it in your nose, everything like it put it on wounds. Yeah. Things like that. Now uh I think this is only like uh fifty parts per, per million. million or something. Uh okay. thirty parts per million. Okay. So if you want like uh wound gel they actually sell that stuff, and that's going to be like more like a hundred parts per million, or um, higher, higher than thirty at least. And that stuff you can't ingest because it's toxic. But anyways, so that was a long, 
it is, but it's it's interesting stuff. And I would say to put the stuff you hear on the news in the perspective, you need to know a history behind it and kind of where it's where it started, what it really is. They're not going to tell you. They're not going to tell you that on the news. So I'm just trying to provide enough information and listen to what you hear, question it, think about it, read more about it from multiple sources because not every source you read from is going to give you the honest truth. So always take it with a grain of salt. Always look it over, second guess it. Just look at it and see if it's giving you the right information and determine if that's the right path for you. That's what we're getting at here. Right, because to be honest with you, most people aren't going to tell you that they have a bias, but everybody out there has a bias. I have a bias. You have a bias. Nick has a bias. Um, they'll, they'll say, this is the honest to God's truth. If somebody's telling you that, that's where you probably got to worry because you should be finding out the truth for yourself, really. Um, God forbid we have our own opinions. 100%, 100% truth is to be on the ground omnipotent almost, seeing everything. We can't always do that. So like you said, Sam, you got to pick through uh, news articles, things like that, and figure out what all, you know, put the dots together yourself and stop listening to these people telling you that they are the God's honest truth because they're not. I know, I know this is kind of uh, one of those heavy topics. I was going to ask y'all, uh, so I know that the weekend is coming upon us or for those who us who have days off, what are your plans for the weekend? Do you have anything fun you're going to do? Like, what are you guys working. up to? You're going to be working. <laughs> yeah, I got work. <laughs> and I'm going to see Thrice on Sunday with Ooh. a buddy of mine. Nice. Uh, Nick, did you get a chance to go by chance? No, I, I missed the show. Uh, didn't have enough funds. so. No worries. It's a, it's an ongoing Sorry. struggle. I, I hear you, brother. <laughs> I hear you. What yeah. is yours? Like the 20th? Uh, yeah, mine should uh, be the 20th of this month. And then today around... It's going to be fun, man. Yeah, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be super fun. I'm super stoked for it. Uh, I was also going to... I'm. I was excited about that movie, The Color Out of Space. I'm going to go see it tonight at about 9. And uh, mm. I'll keep you guys posted what I think of it. Uh, kind of interested in it. I'm always a fan of H.P. Lovecraft stuff. So uh, being oh, able to... see that Nick Cage movie. That's it? right. Yeah. I, I, haven't, nice. I haven't looked at any of the reviews. Nick and Cage. Outside of knowing <laughs> that he's in it and it's in the H.P. Lovecraft universe, that's all I know going into it. And it's supposedly based off that story loosely. Let's see what happens. I'm just going to see what they surprise me with on the screen. I haven't looked at anything other than a little bit of a premise from what I read a long time ago. I think that's the best way to go into a movie, by the way. And Nick and I were talking about it. It looks like it has like a Cosmatos kind of feel to it, like a Mandy kind of look. It, yeah, it definitely right, the pictures yeah. I've seen on like the flyer they look like they have that Mandy esque uh, style that was in that Cosmatos movie, which was a great film. Yeah, I mean it was it was uh, enjoyable. It yeah. was very not uh, for everybody, but it definitely had a unique artistic visceral, style. I would say it was yeah. very visceral and um, very pleasing to look at. I um, guess not saying that it was like a masterpiece or anything. I, but... 
here's a question that I have for both of y'all. Uh, I'm going to go see this film, and I want to be able to give like a good, well-rounded opinion of it and be able to talk about it in a manner that is, I guess, people can find approachable. So I find mm -hmm. that I usually find myself asking three questions. Maybe we can add more to this, but the first question I always seem to ask is, uh, what, uh, what was the artist or the person who made it? What was their approach to the film? What did they want to accomplish is the second question. And then the third question is, did they accomplish it, and was it worth doing? Those are usually the three questions I ask myself. That's a good way to put it. I don't know if there's anything you, else I should add to my question tell. list. <laughs> Once you watch enough films, you can tell um, what the vision was, and then you understand, did they complete that vision, and was it worth... Completely yeah. wasn't worth putting all this money into. Um, I think that's a good way to to look at films. Yeah, like uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Like I saw his vision. He executed it well, and I think it was worth it. Yeah. Now, did I watch the Oscars? No. no. But I loved the movie. I just don't want to watch a bunch of people jerk each other off and tell each other how great they are, you know? Excuse me for being vulgar, but and preaching ego stroking. Their... Yes, ego stroking. Yeah. <laughs> the other uh, thing I was going to ask, uh, music-wise, I've noticed music tends to take us in a heavy-hitting way in all these films, and I've noticed like when I go into a film, if the soundtrack is just right, it can pull me in, or if it's not in the right uh, way, it could destroy my entire experience. It's at least 50%, wouldn't you say, Nick? The yeah, soundtrack. Uh, the score, yeah, mm -hmm. very important. Uh, I mean, all the the best movies ha have had some of the best music. And, right. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. Like, some of the best movies, I could listen to the music without even watching the movie. Just because I like the music that much. Yeah, you know, I like, mean, especially Starship like... Troopers. Uh, Sorry, go ahead. What were you going to say? No, like, uh, for example, like the Blade Runner score. I mean, you mm -hmm. that's one of those scores yeah. that you can just, if you listen to it, it's like you, you're hearing the the film, like the, the sonic scape of the, the whole environment in the score, you know. And yeah. It's, uh, it's really Starship cool. Troopers, I thought, was great. Yeah, that one was cool, too. Gladiator. Yeah. Conan the Barbarian. Conan's it? very epic. Even watching Predator in the theater, oh, like the dude, score, like yeah, it's pretty amazing. intense. <laughs> I was like, dang. I also thought Lucy and Braveheart had some good soundtracks too. <laughs> oh, Braveheart was uh, heartwarming. Like, I, I mean, <laughs> that's the wrong word. It was just. Amazing, it just actually. pulled at your heart, and I love how music uh, has the ability to do that. Uh, I would say a goal for me when we're all musicians here as well, a goal for me with my playing, I want to get to a point where whatever the emotion is I'm trying to get across, I want to be able to play that so that you feel that emotion that I'm intending to get across. 
And that is the mm-hmm. hardest goal that I have found because for me, I think a lot about everything and I have a very hard time trying to describe and define like emotional things in that capacity. Like to tell you that yeah. this particular chord is giving me this type of emotion. It's like, it depends on what context it's used in. Like I feel mm-hmm. happy. Listen to this. I feel sad. Listen to that. It may be different for other people, but uh, I want to get to that level. I think, I think actors as well, since we were talking about movies and yeah. the power of the music, like you're talking about there. Um, remember, I, I was saying I was watching this movie Nighthawks. Yeah, from the Nighthawks. with Rudger Hauer and Stallone, and with some Billy D. Williams in there too. Freaking Lando Calrissian. Yeah. Uh, Millennium Falcon. Yeah. So before we went on this call, I uh, I was watching this scene, and um, it was Stallone. He didn't know what the guy looks like, right? And he just has this, like, sketch picture of the guy. And he's, like, in the middle of a nightclub. And he's scanning the room, and he finds the guy. And he looks at the picture, and he's like, that's got to be him, right? And he starts approaching him, you know, like, the Stallone. He's playing a cop, you know. He's like, <laughs> I'll, I'll be in tough and shit. And then... He gets closer to the guy, and Rudger Howard does this thing. He's, like, dancing with this woman. He just kind of, like, slowly stops, and he does this turn of his head. Like, he could feel the fucking... He could feel Stallone, like, zeroing in on him, and he's, like, this international terrorist. And just uh, with the strobe lights going and the lights in the club and everything, it was just such a powerful scene the way they were able to portray that i i thought like i I need to see more of that kind of stuff yeah like that really fucking and the movie on whole was pretty 80s yeah and i think it was like a very old director in 1981 he was probably born in like the 1800s or something (laughs) ain't nothing wrong with that Um, it's the vision if you can make your vision come to life and people feel it You've and it's gone. the technology you have. I mean, look at Buster Keaton, you know? Yeah. Uh, but that really made, like, okay, I see why this movie, people like it. Like, that was one of those scenes. I'm sure they spent a long time setting that scene up and did it. They did it perfectly. I thought it was great. Um, but, you know, you can imagine making a movie. You're like, okay, this scene needs to be this powerful and we need to portray this. That is so hard to actually create that and get it right. Yeah, definitely. Many people try and fail. <laughs> yeah. With $300 million budget or something, <laughs> they can't even pull that off. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It'd be great if we could do that with $20,000. Yeah. I have seen some... Uh, I feel that the studios that do CG in, uh, in like Japan, they do a better job on less budget than we as Americans do for some reason. Uh, I've, mm-hmm. I've seen them where it's mm-hmm. like you see a movie where it has like a much lower budget than an American film, but it looks like it was produced at like a high level you're like what how did they do that it's like they were so dedicated at the craft 
the camera quality or the film quality and stuff and yeah. the lighting and the sound editing and everything. Um, you can do that on a shoestring budget. You just have to have the right people. You know? Yeah, <laughs> and the people who want to put the time, the effort, the quality in. That's the thing you're kind of paying for that. I think Nick and I were talking about this. Like, you can, as long as you have a solid script, you can have monkeys do the movie. That's true. If you have the right words on the paper, anybody could act. You know, you could act. I I could act. Nick, you definitely could act. It's just the power in the writing is is 99% of the job. The acting is not really that important. I'm sorry. Maybe in the stage play it is live. If you're watching a stage or an opera or something, then it's it's very important. And those people are commendable at, at what they do. But movies, no, I don't think so. Am I wrong? No, <laughs> you're you you're not wrong. Uh, it's definitely like I respect the work that they do and the ability to do it, but. If you're looking at it on a larger lens view of, like, the big picture, while it is an artistic endeavor that is, uh, I guess, painting and helping humanity deal with humanity, so to speak, it is also something that is, uh, it's not very much a practical thing that's advancing the human species forward. It is helping us cope with the existence mm -hmm. that we have as humans which is a big issue for a lot of us where we have to get what's in our head out in a healthy way where people I can do whatever it is they're going to do. What do you think, Nick? What say you? Um, yeah, I just like good movies. They're good yeah. over everything has to, not only the writing, but uh, I think cinematography, photography, right? cinematography mm -hmm. uh, lighting, uh, the props, um, yeah. the um, foleying of all the uh, different noises. Uh, um, yeah, I think it's like an it's a very big uh, editing. Even what do you call it? Yeah, editing. Uh, you know, it's like a big um, multi. Uh, it's like an orchestra. Yeah, like there's many parts of it, and uh, they're they they're all important because if one's off then something will be off uh, in the in the end uh, result. So, yeah, I think it's all important. Um, and well, I mean, writing is... Truly, I think that is what it is. Like what the, the writing's said. more like the, um, the foundation of the house, and then everything else goes inside it, you know, and it has to be just as well um, as the, the house itself, you know. Right, so normally a movie doesn't get off the ground without a script or a screenplay, yeah. right? So yeah, it's yeah, the, foundation, right. That's the foundation, like foundation. of what what is gonna unless what the house is like gonna a Marvel you know, movie or exactly. And they're they're but, just like, all right, let's make another movie. Okay, somebody write it, but we we're gonna make it. <laughs> it's gonna happen. It's already written. I just need people to act in it. Isn't there like another Avengers movie or something? Uh, Black Widow something? is going to be coming out soon. Uh, basically, before she ended up passing away in whatever that last movie was. So they they're Indeed. literally taking her to show you like how she became the Black Widow. So that should be interesting. And then they're going to start going into the other creative spaces of the Marvel universe. Yeah, 
right on it. Yeah, this band in, in San Antonio had a um, the, that band Zero the Hero. They they had a song called The Black Widow, and I I guess it was about her. <laughs> like, <laughs> was cool. Assassinating people. That's that dude, uh, Jason. It's that you worked at that Sonic, right? Uh, the one at 281 and 64. Yeah, the um, the manager, uh, I forgot his name, I think it's Chris. Eric? Was it Eric? He was like that big dude, and he was in a band. The That's big his fat band. guy? Yeah. Oh, that, yeah, that was Chris. Yeah, that's his band. Uh, nice. Zero the Hero. Yeah. I mean, that guy was, I did not know he was in a band. I met yeah, him dude. like once. The dude used to come in and he'd like get uh, breakfast sausages and egg patties and he'd like grill like five of them each <laughs> and like put put it on a big a big bun like a hamburger bun and he's like breakfast of champions. He <laughs> 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 weighs like four hundred pounds. Like, okay. Hey, if you're gonna yeah, maintain that... mass, you got to keep the calories in there, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No wonder he works at Sonic. I mean, free food, right? To a degree. Anyways, no hating. That guy was kind of cool, actually. I, I kind of liked that guy. Yeah, they were they were good players. The whole band. Uh, nice. I think he played guitar in the band, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Speaking of big players, uh, Dino from Fear Factory, if I remember correctly, he has a guitar coming out from Ormsby. Pretty oh, really? soon. Yeah. That's cool. Is it a seven? I want to say it comes in a six, a seven, and an eight. Right on. That's cool. Yeah, because he usually plays sevens, I think. Or eight. Yeah, I think sevens more. Like, he was, he had a few cool Ibanez models. I remember that. Um, but yeah, Fear Factory's a shit. Yeah. Um, I saw them open up for Megadeth. It the was guitar. Go ahead. Elixirs. Oh, those elixirs, those elixirs are great. sound godly. They're great. I love them. And I, I really like the light gauge, man, so I appreciate that. Anytime, man. I needed cool. you to keep the music going. Gotta keep you uh, happy. Keep that music going. And how's the djembe treating you, Nick? Oh, it's cool, man. Yeah. It's, uh... Yeah. It's definitely a cool instrument to have around. I like the harmonics on it. It's cool. Yeah, rock That's on. That's awesome. Yeah, thank you. I always wanted that. one of those percussion drums. Or, or, you know, the hand drums. Sorry. Yeah. They're, percussion. Cool. <laughs> they're all percussion. Like, yeah. a, what do you call those? Like, a, the... The bongo? M- mom. Bongos, yeah. I don't know. I was gonna say mongos for some reason. Stupid. But I think uh, that's the the group that uh, does the film festivals out here. Or Mondo, that's the name of them. Uh, there's a film group out here called Mondo Studios. They make oh, yeah, this really yeah. tripped out artwork, and uh, they they do the glasses for the Alamo Draft House when they do their they're gonna have a glass night where they they make a little. Uh, drinking glass that you can buy from them with something related to the movie i find those pretty cool they do a really good job this little guy's gotta go take a a dump 
<laughs> I can smell yeah, the do- the dogs are getting restless. I was gonna say, do we want to call this an episode for now, and we'll pick up on another I day? I think it was. I think that sounds good to me. What do you think, Nick? Yeah. yeah. All right, brothers. Uh, we will have another meetup pretty soon. And for all of those of you who are tuning in and listening to us, thanks for listening. And uh, hopefully, on our next podcast, we'll do some entrepreneurship with one of Jason's brothers, Chris. Or one of your friends. Hey, we've got Kiana and we got Josh. So uh, we will have them in the lineup and we will put them on. So keep listening. We'll keep making. Have a good rest of your day. And from the Undecillion, we're tuning out. Bye. Bye.